Alice in Brexit Land by Levis Carroll Read by Julian Rhine Tutt Chapter 3 Advice from the Corbin Pillar After not too long a spell of trudging, Alice happened upon a huge red mushroom, larger than any she had previously encountered. Once she had looked under it, and on both sides of it, and behind it, it occurred to her that she might as well look and see what was on top of it. So she stretched herself up on tiptoe and peeped over the edge. Her eyes immediately met those of a large red caterpillar, who wore a Lenin cap, an ill-fitting suit, and a permanently bored expression. He was sitting on top of the mushroom, with his arms folded, quietly smoking a long hooker, and taking not the smallest notice of her or anything else. Eventually, the caterpillar took the hooker out of his mouth and addressed Alice in a languid, sleepy voice. Who are you? said the caterpillar. I'm not quite sure who I am, said Alice. I might have given you a definite answer this morning, but the world has grown so queer since then, I fear I could be anyone. The caterpillar puffed on his pipe, not at all impressed. You must be someone, he said, otherwise you would be some nun, and it would hardly be worth my while talking to you. If I am someone, said Alice, then I am someone very confused. Ever since I went down the Brexit hole, I have had this tremendous pain in my head, and facts and figures, truth and lies, they all seem jumbled up. I've even started to forget things. What sort of things? said the caterpillar. Well, I tried to say a poem, but it all came out different, Alice replied in a very melancholy voice. Try another one, said the caterpillar. Recite Mr. Corbin. Alice folded her hands and began. You are crap, Mr. Corbyn, the MP said, and I don't want to face deselection. But the polls have the Tories five hundred ahead. How the hell can we win an election? Dear comrade, replied Mr. Corbyn, those polls are wrong. Did you not get the memo? Just focus instead on the thousands of souls who flock to my every last demo. You are crap, said the member, his nose out of joint. Have you even been watching the news? They say you're a joke, and they did have a point when you nodded off in PMQs. My plan, said the sage, as he stroked his white beard, is to look both inept and unwise. And once I have been universally jeered, I'll take number ten by surprise. You are crap, said the MP with anguish sincere. May's awful, we need you to finish her. You say you want change, but still it's unclear that you care about being Prime Minister. This slander, said Jeremy, makes us feel sad, note his use of the monarchist we. Though I disobeyed every leader I've had, I demand your complete loyalty. You are crap and you're pushing us over the brink, so I must resign, cried the MP. And now, although Labour's in need of a drink, they find that their cabinet's empty. Well, that settles that, Corbyn said to himself, as he sat on the front bench alone. And while the Conservatives privatised health, he smiled at the strength that he'd shown. The caterpillar stared at Alice. For a moment, 
she worried she might have offended him in some way. However, he simply took a long drag on his pipe, then murmured, That was wrong from beginning to end. There was silence for some minutes. Eventually, Alice felt the need to break it. Excuse me, Caterpillar, she said. What is your job? I suppose I'm meant to oppose the government, he replied. But I prefer to sit here all day feeling self-righteous. You're a politician, said Alice, who saw a chance to clear things up. Then you must know all about the referendum. Tell me, are you in favour of the European Union? The caterpillar did not say a word. He just sat there, puffing on his hooker. I'm sorry, did you not hear me? said Alice. I asked what you thought of the EU. E who? said the caterpillar, blowing a smoke ring. Alice frowned. It's hardly an unreasonable question, she said. With a sigh, the caterpillar took the pipe out of his mouth. I'd rate it seven, he said, or seven and a half out of ten. This struck Alice as a most unsatisfactory answer, and so she turned to leave. Wait, the caterpillar called after her. I've something important to say. This sounded promising, certainly. Alice turned and came back again. Do you like my mushroom? said the caterpillar. Is that all? said Alice, swallowing down her anger as well as she could. It's big and red, he continued, and special power lies within it. If you eat a piece from the left side, you become a hero of the proletariat. However, if you eat a piece from the right, it turns you into Blairite scum. With this, a shade fell across his features. What? asked Alice. Is a Blairite? For it sounded a fearful creature. The Blairites are our mortal enemy, the caterpillar replied. They would compromise our party's ideals in order to win elections. Forgive me, said Alice, but if they're in your party, how can they be your mortal enemy? Surely that title is reserved for the party you oppose. Don't be stupid, the caterpillar said. Blairites are the vilest thing on earth. If I suspect a person to be one, I have them chased from the forest by my momentums. Alice was beginning to think she had had quite enough of the caterpillar. So, if I understand correctly, she said, you sit around all day bemoaning a government whose actions you can't be bothered to oppose, you spend most of your energy picking fights with your own party, and when voters ask your opinion on the most important question facing Britain today, you'd rather do anything than give a straight answer. Pretty much, the caterpillar replied. What kind of a leader are you? cried Alice. If you really wanted to help people, you'd get off your backside and try and win power. The caterpillar let the hooker drop from his lips, and his face changed from its usual red to an even angrier shade. He reared up to his full height of three inches, threw his head back, 
and let out a deafening cry. Blairite! Alice heard the sound of a thousand footsteps behind her. Out of the trees, whooping and hollering, came a horde of momentums. Beholding their fiery eyes and flaring nostrils, Alice had no doubt that they wished to tear her limb from limb. With a yelp, she ran in the opposite direction, and the momentums chased after her, shouting, Blairite scum and Red Tory! Eventually, Alice rounded a corner and came to the edge of a cliff. Had she not her wits about her, she would almost certainly have tumbled off. Hiding behind a nearby tree, she looked across, only to see her pursuers running right towards the cliff's edge. Alice jumped out and tried to warn them, but the momentums had too much momentum to stop. As they fell to their certain deaths, Alice could still hear, carried on the wind, faint cries of Red Tory and Blairite Scum. Chapter 4 The Cheshire Twat Alice now found herself in the deepest, darkest reaches of the forest. As she looked around, she saw the trees had grown into strange, twisted shapes and shook their branches in a sinister fashion. One tree in particular caught Alice's eye. It was a gaudy-looking thing with purple and yellow leaves and a great pound sign carved upon its trunk. As she drew closer, Alice was startled to see, perched on one of its boughs, a large cat. She would not normally have been startled to see a cat, except that this one had a huge grin on its face and was taking swigs from a pint glass. It looked good-natured, Alice thought. Still, it had very long claws and a great many teeth. Oh, cat, cried Alice. Why do you smile so wide? Why shouldn't I? He replied. I'm having a bloody British beer in the middle of the day and there's nothing the PC Brigade can do to stop me. Alice frowned. Despite the cat's smiling face, he had a malign air about him. Who are the PC Brigade? asked Alice. Are they some kind of constabulary? I don't know about the abulary, the cat replied, but they're certainly the first part. The PC Brigade are a bunch of loony lefties who tell the ordinary decent people that they're not allowed to say what they think. Well then, said Alice, my governess must be a member. She tells me to be quiet whenever I speak my mind. For instance, the time I told Mabel that her new dress looked rotten. Is that the sort of thing they don't like you saying? But the cat just smiled and took another sip. It's been ever such an odd day, said Alice. I'm lost, you see, and if I don't find my way soon, I fear I shall go mad. The cat grinned a little wider. Oh, I shouldn't worry about that, he said. We're all mad here. I've gone mad, you've gone mad, political correctness has gone mad. It's funny you should mention politics, said Alice, for I'm ever so confused about the current situation. Oh, perhaps you could help me. I need to make up my mind regarding the EU. At this, the cat's grin became so wide 
it almost joined at the back of his head. I'd be only too happy to oblige, he said. Wonderful, said Alice. I tried asking the caterpillar, but he was quite useless. Yes, a lot of people come to me from him, said the cat. Now, let me start by saying I am the EU's greatest enemy. I have spent my life fighting it, and I have eight more lives with which to do so. But I am glad of this fight, for our country will never be free until it casts off the yoke of Brussels. We need to take back control. British laws for British people. Just look at border security. All we want is a common-sense approach to immigration. Of course, saying that makes me racist, if you listen. And here his voice grew dark. To them. Them, said Alice. Yes, said the cat. You know, them. I don't know, said Alice. Perhaps you could specify who they are. They, said the cat, are them. Those people, the ones who go around doing that sort of thing. I have no idea what you mean, said Alice, becoming rather frustrated. The cat ploughed on regardless. The thing about them, he said, is they're ruining this country. This is no longer the land I loved as a kitten. Great Britain used to be great, but now it's all safe space this and trigger warning that and one can barely move for sexual harassment tribunals. Hmm, perhaps there's a better way for me to explain. At this point, the cat put his drink to one side and burst into song. How I long for the olden days, golden and gay, when posties would whistle and bid you good day, when folks were polite, wouldn't dare make a fuss, and no one spoke Polish while riding the bus. The land of the hedgerow, the spinney and fen, of gooseberries and sponge cakes and uncles called Ken, where ruddy-faced fellows drove funny old cars and birds didn't mind a bloke slapping their arse. We'd never ask questions, we knew all the answers. We liked Morris Miners, we loved Morris Dancers. And bullshit like bulldogs, John Bull, bully beef, and never acknowledging beauty or grief. The White Cliffs of Dover, the National Trust, Spitfires, Evensong, B. Windsor's Bust, the hats worn at Ascot, keep calm, carry on, the Bible and blackface and eating a swan. Steeples and cobblestones, banter and cheer, Elgar and Churchill and warm English beer. We'd raise up our flagons and toast to the Queen, then talk about all of the totty we'd seen. And people took pride in their strong English names, like Blenkinsop, Robinson, Jenkins and James. That's just how we liked them, although, by and large, we didn't mind Huguenot names like Farage. I'm smitten with Britain the way it was then, when women were women and men could be men, for life was quite marvellous back in the day, unless you were African, Jewish or gay. As soon as the cat had finished, he downed the remainder of his pint, and Alice was amazed to see it magically fill back up. She had not much enjoyed his song, for many of its words were unfamiliar. Nonetheless, it seemed clear to Alice that this cat did not like the world. 
and so preferred to live in one that never really existed. The cat pulled out a pack of Benson and Hedges, removed the wrapper with his claws, then stuck one in his mouth and lit up. Alice was glad she had never seen Dinah, her own cat, behave in this manner. Ah, that takes the edge off, said the cat, exhaling. I love my ciggies. Scientists tell you they cause cancer, but everyone knows science is run by our Hebrew friends. Of course, you're not allowed to say that anymore. Hmm, yes, to be sure, said Alice, feeling somewhat depressed. It seemed to Alice that the cat was constantly saying things that he claimed were forbidden, and yet no penalty seemed forthcoming. Alas, she said with a sigh, everything in this place is so terribly queer. What's that about queers? exclaimed the cat, dropping his cigarette. Oh, no, said Alice, I mean queer as in strange, out of the way. I should bloody well hope so, said the cat then vanished. Before Alice could properly take this in, she found that the cat had reappeared behind her. You know, he said, it's not just Blighty that's gone mad. Everywhere's topsy-turvy at the moment. Wop country, Frogsylvania, Bongo Bongo land. And as for the States, you know, I happen to be flying over there for a speaking engagement. Those Yanks have deep pockets. I could take you along if you'd like. Just hop on my back. Alice was hesitant. The cat had used so many phrases that made her feel uncomfortable. However, for want of anything better to do, she decided to climb aboard. Politics aside, a free flight was a free flight. Mind the pint, he said, as she drew up her legs and settled on his back. Within moments, they were floating twenty feet above the forest floor and veering wildly from side to side. Alice began to wonder if this journey was wise, given how much the cat had had to drink. Perhaps I should wear a seatbelt, said Alice. Seatbelts, said the cat, are for puffters. Then, with a belch, he shot up through the treetops. The cat flew Alice away from the forest, across miles of rolling countryside, until soon they were over the vast Atlantic Ocean. We hope you enjoyed these chapters from Alice in Brexitland, taken from the best-selling book by Levis Carroll, out now in all good bookshops. Make sure you subscribe for the next instalment.